Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, listen, in John's Gospel, this is the Gospel we studied just a, a, a few weeks, well, last year sometime, we, we finished up John's Gospel. We were introduced to a radical man, okay? It was a man that my Jesus said, he said this, quote, among those born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now, I like to call him as John the Baptizer because most folk goes, well, he was a Baptist, see, and we're not a, ba-. no, 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 it wasn't, that wasn't denomination. He, that, that's just how we knew John. Okay, we could say that he was John the locust eater, or he was John the, the crazy guy in the wilderness. We could even say that he was an, an Essene. If you remember Adam when we were in Qumran, they said that maybe John kind of came up and hung out with them out there in Qumran. And I thought, okay, well, that was pretty cool. But nonetheless, we were introduced to him. Now, here's what we know about John, okay? We, we're we're going to look at him at the beginning of his ministry, okay, in, in John. So you're going to be in John. But um, back in Luke, we actually get the story of John. And so what I thought, I want to labor just a moment, okay? Allow me to summarize the story for you real quick. The story of the birth of one who came to be known as John the Baptizer, if you will, he actually gives signs to greatness to come. You see, if you recall, John's parents, um, they were an older couple named Zacharias and Elizabeth. You guys remember them, Okay. They both descended from the priestly line of Aaron. This is found in Luke chapter 1. The Bible says that Elizabeth, guys, think about this, had not been able to have children. And she was barren, and they were really both advanced in years. And so I think about that, and I think about back in the day and not being able to, and, and you could imagine Old Zach and Elizabeth, that's all they wanted. They just wanted a child. And, and now they're getting older and they kind of go, well, 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 we'll just keep trying, honey. We'll just keep trying. And, and now it's advanced in age. I mean, it's probably, they probably came to the realization. It's like, well, that's not going to happen for us. I wonder why. I wonder why God didn't allow us to have children. And then one day, if you recall, Zacharias was burning incense in the temple. It was his lot. He sees an angel... Zacharias was startled by the appearance of the angel, but perhaps even more surprised because the angel gave him some incredible news. He said, guess what? He said, your wife Elizabeth, right, is going to bear a child in her old age. And he's probably said, he said, say what? No way. Am I, you're right. Am I dreaming? Is this, are you serious? What? No way. No. And he says, and we're going to name him John. And he's going to be a part for a special purpose. Now, the angel Gabriel told him that he will turn many children to Israel, to the Lord their God, and he would go before them in the spirit of the power of Elijah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Even before you're even born, this is your lot. Guess what? You're going to be the forerunner for the Messiah. This is it. What? I mean, think about it, right? You ask a kid, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, right. What do you want to be? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a dinosaur, I've heard some say. You know what I'm talking about? But but here's John the Baptist. Here he is, and, and he's like, listen, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go, and you're going to turn hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom, and just to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Well, Zacharias, you can imagine, was shocked. What? And he asked something I probably would ask. 
how shall I know this, right? Give me a sign. Are you sure? He says, I'm, a, I'm an old man, and you've seen my wife, right? She's old too. I mean, this just doesn't happen. But because Zechariah had doubted angels, the angel's words, uh, Gabriel gave him a sign. Do you guys remember what it was? You go, of course we do. He wasn't able to talk until the birth of his son. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I was thinking about this, right? Some of us husbands don't talk at all. And, and you say, how's your day? Good. What'd you do? Nothing. Who'd you talk to? No one. Those are our answers, right? It's not like the other way across if you, I mean, it's like, right? I mean, but, but anyway, nonetheless, I don't know if you would appreciate somebody who didn't talk for nine months, right? I mean, think about it. As a wife, you'd go and say, Zacharias, would you like peace with your state? You couldn't hear him, right? He'd have to, you'd have to always be watching him. And, and so anyway, nine months, he has that. And of course, the angel proved to be correct because after nine months, guess what? Oh, Zach could talk, right? And they said, what's his name? And of course, he says, the name is John, right? And there's so much more. There's so much more. Do you guys remember? I mean, here's the one thing that this is, this is trippy, okay? Speaking of John the Baptist, this is Jesus' cousin. And he's six months older than Jesus. And when, when Mary came to stay with her cousin Elizabeth, John actually leaped in her womb. Filled with the Holy Spirit in her. I mean, this is, I mean, this is just, this is incredible. This is incredible. God had performed a miracle that brought John into the world for a special purpose. Now, that's kind of the backstory, but let's pick it up in John chapter 1, verse 19. Okay, and I want us to read together because I want you to feel the text of what's going on. Okay, and then we'll come back and we'll do some more summarizing. In John chapter 1, verse 19, it says, this is the testimony of John. They're talking about John the Baptist, okay? It says, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem, this is verse 19, to ask John, who are you? Here's what John says. He confessed and did not deny. He confessed. He says, I am not the Christ. Okay, so there's this big buzz going on in Jerusalem. Okay, you understand. John is doing these miracles. He's in camel's hair. He's eating bugs. I mean, he's baptizing people. And so the Jews start to freak out and go, wait a minute. We know that the Messiah should be coming. And they say, are you the Meshach, the Christ, the Christos? And John says, no, 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 guys, you got that wrong. I'm, I, I'm not. And so they go, well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, no, I'm not Elijah. Are you a prophet? And John answered, he said, no. And you could tell they were getting frustrated because in verse 22 it says, then, then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And John says this. He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And it says in verse 24, Now those who were sent from the Pharisees, they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah nor a prophet? And John answered and said, I baptized with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strapped I'm not even worthy to lose. These things were done in Bethbara beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, the Bible says, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and this is what John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said comes after me, but who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him. 
but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water, and John bore witness, saying, I saw a spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained on him. I did not know him, but he sent him to me to be baptized or to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John says, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So this is John's ministry, right? Okay, so here's what we have of John. John is, he's growing up. He's a Nazarite. He eats bugs, okay? He wears camel skin, and he is a prophet. He is he's in the power of Elijah. He is, he is a man greatly used by God. As a matter of fact, he sees Jesus, and he says, behold, the Son of... And he walks in humility, because remember what John says. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I must decrease, but he must increase. Okay, very, very important words. Okay? Because you and I, there's one thing that we struggle with each and every day, and that's pride. It's pride, and God has, has, has wants us as believers, guys, to be broken in humility, to walk, and to have the same heart that Jesus has. And John didn't have the heart of pride going, you don't know that God used me, look at that. By the way, G- Jesus is my cousin, you know, we're, we're, we hang out, and he, he never used that. He's just like, listen, he, he's, he's God. He's God. And so what I want you to understand is John the Baptist, right, he was set apart for a special mission. He was to preach about repentance and baptize people in the water. He was also to preach about the kingdom of God and prepare the people's heart for the Messiah's coming. Now, here is the purpose of me telling you the story of John the Baptist. You go, what's that? John the Baptist didn't pull any punches. Okay? He called sin, sin. He even criticized, do you remember, King Herod for marrying his brother's wife, and he was thrown into prison. After spending some time in a prison cell, John sent some of his disciples to Christ. He wanted to receive confirmation about the work and the mission of Christ. See, John believed that Jesus was the Lamb of God and the Son of God, but and he also believed that Jesus was the Christ, the coming Messiah, who's going to conquer and rule. But perhaps he was expecting Christ to start conquering, then instead of letting him remain in jail. That was not to be, however. So you can imagine, here is a man who is in God's perfect will. Okay, you understand me, right? He was in God's perfect will. He was doing what God had called him to do. He was preparing the way. Here's the Messiah. And so he gets thrown in prison for calling sin, sin. And so he calls his disciple. He says, hey, listen, go see if this is really the Christ or should we look for another? Because if he's conquering, why am I in jail? Why am I, why am I still in here? Well, you guys know the story, right? He's in prison. Now, now, again, here's, he's thinking, okay, anytime now, anytime, Lord, those doors are going to go. I'm gonna, I, listen, I know I'm, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be free. Why? Listen, because... I am, I am, I am prospering and I'm highly favored of the Lord. I am in God's perfect will. This is John the Baptist. Except the problem was is that when John was in prison, Herod throws a party. And his wife's daughter danced to please him. We won't go into, that's a whole nother sermon. But it pleased him so much, he goes, hey, whatever you want, right? And he goes, what do you want? And so having been prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. 
Herod's like, what? He was sorry, but because of his oath, he felt trapped into ordering John to be killed. And see, here's the point that I want to, here's the purpose. Here's what I want you to see. Here's how I want you to internalize this, okay? John was in, was in God's perfect will. John was doing what God had called him to do. John was a man that was being used by God. John was baptizing people. He was calling sin, sin. And because of a drunken foolishness of, I mean, there he is in prison. And now he's going to die. See, John was called the greatest prophet that ever lived by Jesus. He was the forerunner for Messiah. And here's what I want you to see. Compared to us, can we be honest? John was on the varsity when it came to obedience. Yet, things didn't end well for him, did they? In other words, John the Baptist didn't ride off into the sunset with his brand new chariot. Man, I prayed and God gave me. He didn't sit and settle down with the three chariot, right, mansion. This is my G. This is how I'm going to retire. He didn't do that, right? You guys know what happened. John got killed. And see, those of us on the outside looking in would go, no, this doesn't make sense. This does not make sense. Wait a minute, God. He was, this was a man that was, listen, I mean, John was the forerunner. He was the guy. I mean, seriously, he would, he, he should have been one of your posse. He should have been one of your assistant pastors. He should have been one of the guys you sent on the mission field. What's going on, man? What's the deal? I don't understand. And so as I was praying about the text tonight, guys, in Genesis, man, John kept coming up, and I started thinking about John's life. I was like, what's going on? And so I thought, here's what we need to understand. You guys ready? If you want peace in your life, you need to realize that even when we're obedient to God, life still happens. Life still happens. And you go, okay, Pastor, hold on, hold on. What do you mean life still happens? I mean, okay, so so here, here's what I mean. When life happens, it's people who love Jesus. Can I get an amen? They're still persecuted. Now, we don't see it in the day. We don't see it like the persecuted church around the world, but maybe because you're a believer and your boss is an unbeliever, you don't get that promotion. Maybe because you're a believer and you really love Jesus, man, some of your friends have said, man, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. You're not the same cool dude that used to drunk and make us laugh. You're not, you're persecuted in our own ways, but nonetheless, we're persecuted. And I'll say, if you're, even, if you're a Jesus lover, if you really love the Lord and you're really trying to serve him, some of your friends will even turn on you. You're good friends, friends that you think are believers. Okay, okay, calm down, Ben. What do I mean? People who love Jesus, guys, listen to me, will suffer. Okay, that's not a prosperity message. Oh, by the way, give your life to Jesus and you'll never have a problem again. You'll, no, we see it in scripture. We see that, we see that the, that Peter talks about suffering. We'll see, we'll see that he says, Paul talks about how we draw closer to the Lord. Now listen, this is not something I go, hey, I want to suffer. I don't. I really don't. I don't want to suffer. 
Nobody does. Nobody signs up and goes, hey, I'm going to go to that church because it's the church of the suffering. <laughs> we're gonna, that's, what do you do there? We're just, we're just going to suffer for Jesus. But I know that, that we have suffered, have we not, church? Bad things still happen to us. Wrong things are committed. Our cars still get broken into. It's not like, it's not like the thief goes, oh, man, they got a Calvary Chapel sticker on that one. We, that, no, that's a believer. Don't touch that. Mm-mm. That's not what thieves think. They go, you know what? I don't care what it is, man. If the dude's hiding money, I'm going to find it. Okay? So, so when life happens, we still suffer. We're persecuted. Bad things still happen. And I don't, I don't want this to be a total downer. Okay, don't turn off, the, don't turn off the internet. I don't want this to be a total downer. But, but here, but, but listen, this has happened in my life. Listen, people who love Jesus still get sick. And with COVID nineteen going around, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's the craziest thing. Just going to, just going to a Walmart or a Home Depot and cough, and you see how people look at you. And sometimes you just got a little something in your throat. You go, <coughs> they're like, I say, hey, it's not COVID. I just. Choked on my spit. I'm just being honest. I'm just saying, hey, come. But, 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 but let's be honest, right? Listen, people still get sick, don't they? They still get sick. I mean, the one thing we got, we, we totally freak out about right now is that we're, we, we have thrown all sickness, all sore throats, all coughs, all allergies, everything, flu, we've thrown it out the window. Because if you're sick, if you have a fever, bro, listen, you, you got it. You got the Rona, man. You got the virus. That's what we do. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. People who love Jesus still get sick. They still get the flu. But listen to me. They still get cancer. I know my wife loved Jesus. I know she loves Jesus. And yet the doctor came into that office and said, sir, your wife has cancer. You know what I heard? You know what I heard? Sir, your wife is going to die in three to six months. But she, but, hold on. but she loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. But, but Lord, she loves you. I mean, seriously. And then we began the journey of just walking through it. Listen, there are people who love Jesus that are going to get COVID-19. They're going to get sick. They're gonna, they, they are. And they're going to have to go to the hospital. We all know somebody. We all know somebody. And, and, and here's the sad part, okay? People who love Jesus die. People who love Jesus die. That's hard to swallow, church, if we're being honest, okay? I'm up here preaching, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking all of these people that surround me all the people that I love, I'm going, that, that's a tough pill to swallow. In my family, we, we've adopted a, a sort of a strange custom. Um, if I'm not home and, say, Talia hears uh, ambulances or something, she'll text me just to make sure I'm okay. We, we kind of do, hey, Talia, you okay? Yeah, why, Daddy? Because I heard ambulances. And we're just this way because that's just the close-knit that we've developed, right? Because we don't, we just know. We just know. Just a couple of a couple of days ago, we had somebody in our family pass from cancer. 
I know he loved Jesus. As a matter of fact, when I talked to him at a birthday party a year ago, he said, man, I want to go with you guys to Israel. I want to go with you. When you go, we're going. We're going to go with you. Well, he, he's not going to go to that Israel. He's not going to go to Israel here. He went to his heavenly place. So when I speak of John the Baptist, guys, here's what I'm hoping it does. I believe that this story helps illustrate what we're going to study in Genesis 35. For you see, in this chapter, we discover that people die. We discover, listen, taking note, Jacob is wronged. There's hurt. There's pain. There's suffering. And we learned last week that Jacob had actually repented, and he is now in radical obedience. It's one thing that we looked at the Jacob when he, was, when he was stealing his brother's birthright. It's one thing we look at him and go, dude, seriously, you deserve that, bro. You're, you're, you live up to your name, man. You're the supplanter. You're the hill catcher. You deserve that. But now he's, he's on fire for the Lord. He's met with God. God changed his name. He's had face time with God, and his heart is different. You guys know what I'm talking about. Do you know when you had that experience when, man, you saw and you knew God was with you and you saw him face to face and there you were and you felt that experience and you knew your life was changed? Man. And you realized you knew your life was changed. Here's why. Because the enemy came in and he brought up everything you've ever did from the past. Well, you're this, you're this, you're this. Remember when you did this and you go, that doesn't matter. Listen, my heart is changed for the Lord. It's changed for the Lord. Jacob is in radical obedience. And so I thought, what a better way to title the message than even in radical obedience to the Lord, life still happens. Even in radical obedience to the Lord, life still happens. Not a bunch of amens on that one, right? Because it's like, life still happens. So, very quickly, guys, let me remind you where we left off last week, okay? In chapter 35, we see revival in the land, right? It was such a cool chapter. Why? Because in chapter 34, there was no mention of God. In chapter 35, right away... God speaks in the first verse. He says this, Then God said to Jacob, Yay, God! He says, Arise and go to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And so we started thinking, this is genuine revival. And if you recall last week, we said, how does revival start in our hearts? Let me tell you, draw a circle on the ground, step in that circle and revive everything in that circle. What does that mean? That means fasting. That means praying. That means devotion. That means really getting in tune with God face to face. And we saw, according to our text, that revival happens with a few things. You go, what's that? Well, remember that Bethel means the house of God. And so we said revival starts. Listen to me, those of you watching online. Revival starts with returning back to the house of God. We need to come back. Listen, people are getting so used to being at home and watching online. We've got to come back because church is not me speaking to a camera and you listening. Church is coming together and seeing your face and hugging and fellowshipping and using our gifts together. That's what it's all about. It's coming in here with your Bibles open and, and, and tears dropping because the Holy Spirit has fallen so hard. It's to hear the worship so live that you're not even watching the screen anymore. You're in the presence of the Lord when you're saying that there is nothing that God can't do. That's what church and, and he's saying, man, we got to get back to this. 
And it's not only me. I talk to my Christian brothers and they're like, man, you don't understand. It's hard preaching just to a camera. It's hard preaching to a few. You got to feel the, you, you want to feel that in the room and, 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 and you, you feel the vibe of people and, and, and we've got to get back and revival starts, guys, when we get back to the house of God. Can I get an amen? But not only that, we learned this. We learned that revival starts when we start purging our idols. Putting anything away that takes the place of the one true God. The one true God. You go, what's that? Well, last week we talked about surface idols and we talked about source idols. I don't have time to get into this because if we did this, we'll be here all night. So you have to listen to last week's. But let me say this. An idol can be, ready? Something that is very good that you make ultimate. Something that is very good that you make ultimate. I have to check my heart when it comes to idolatry. You go, how so? I love my wife. I love my girls. There's nothing that I won't do for them. But I've got a granddaughter that I have to be careful with. Because it's very good that I can make ultimate. You guys tracking with me? It, I, I really could. I have to check my own heart. Why? Because we're best pals. We are, we are, we, I mean, two peas in a pod. And I have to be so careful. Because she can never take the place of God in my life. Now, I'm just being real with you. I'm just being real because you guys know what it is. Because some of us will go, listen, I can't live without my wife. I can't live without my husband. I can't live without, you know, my kids. I can't live. But we, we need to make sure those are very good things that God gives us. But we need to make sure that we don't make them ultimate. That's an idol. And see, revival comes when we go, oh, Lord, help me not make that. Enough. You deserve all the praise. And, 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 and here's what God does. When we do that, guys, and we don't reverse the creative order, okay, when we don't start worshiping the creation, our babies and our, lover, and, 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 and our loved ones and everything, when we don't do that, it makes this all the sweeter. It makes this all the sweet. It makes your relationship sweet because you love God. Because you love God. And again, I mean, guys, these, these are, listen, an idol can be something that we take that's very good and make it ultimate. Revival happens. Revival happens, guys, when we obey the Lord and bury those idols deep out of sight. Okay. Okay. Revival happens, we learned last week, when we return to the place of our first love. Oh, church, listen to me, how we need to be so careful that we don't get caught up in ministry and we don't get caught up and we forget that our first love is Jesus. The church of Ephesus did that, didn't they? Man, they did everything right, except that they had left Jesus. And here's the question we've got to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? Why do I play the drums? Why do I play the bass? Why am I here on Wednesday night? Why am, why am I here? Because I love Jesus. I like to hang out with my bro, but I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Why do you get up in the morning, get your coffee, have your Bible, and spend 45 to an hour with Jesus? Why do you do that? Because I love Jesus. Adam, why do you treat your wife like, you, like, like you're supposed to? Because I love Jesus. 
Paul, why do you go to work every day to provide? Because I love Jesus. And as I love Jesus, man, my relationships are so much better. They're so much sweeter. And then we learn, guys, that revival happens when we cling unto the promises of God. Because we saw in our text that, that God declared, once again, the covenant he made to Abraham. And we're going to cling onto that. What, 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 is, what are we clinging onto right now? I'll tell you what, the return of Jesus Christ. The return of Jesus. Brian Edwards wrote this in revival. Listen, in revival, the minds of the people are concentrated upon the things of eternity. And there is awareness that nothing else matters, end quote. You're saying, what? When, when, when we're in revival, listen to me, our minds are concentrated upon the things of eternity. And there's this awareness that nothing else really matters. Now, note with me in verse 15. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel. So, from verses 1 through 15, Jacob, now Israel, is in radical obedience. You guys with me? We see his family actually followed suit in radical obedience. And yet, listen to me, just like us, life still happens. How so? Well, if we go back, here's what we notice. We notice that Deborah dies. Right in the middle, verse 8, Deborah dies. Now, who was Deborah? Deborah was Rebecca's nurse. Now, Rebecca, it says this. Now, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried now in Bethel under the Tiburon tree. So the name of it was called Alion Bakuth, okay? So if you recall, let me just jog your memory just a minute, okay? The servant of the Lord, right, the servant of Isaac goes to find a bride, for Isaac, and he finds Rebekah in Genesis chapter 24. And they ask if she'll go and be Isaac's bride. She says, Rebekah says, yes. And so they say, well, if you're going to go, Deborah's going to go with you. I like what Warren Wearsby writes, and he writes this, quote, How strange that Rachel should die soon after Jacob restoring fellowship with God. He says, great spiritual experiences are not security against the sorrows and the trials of life. And certainly Jacob was better able to bear this sorrow now that he had, had built an altar. Everything that Jacob had lost before had been regained because he had met God at the altar. Now, here's what I want to say. So, so Deborah dies, okay? Jacob is in radical obedience. But let me say this, okay? Listen. Radical, radical obedience to the Lord, listen to me, is not a safeguard to life but it is a great source of comfort when life happens. Let me say this again. Radical obedience to Jesus is not a safeguard to what will happen to you in life. But it is, and it does bring a great source of comfort when life happens. This is tough. Why? Because Deborah was a huge part of their family. You understand, the old nurses like this, they were, they were not only honored, uh, but they were loved as mothers. And accordingly, her death was an, was an occasion for great lamentation. You go, how so? Well, she was buried under the oak tree called the what? The, 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 the terabith of tears. Now, 
one might actually say, okay, Ben, really, but see, Deborah was really old, okay? I mean, Deborah was an old nurse. She, she's better off now, okay? Rest in peace, Deborah. Um, this will be tough to handle, Ben, but, but she lived a, long, a good long life. We, we get that, right? When, right? We say, well, well, who passed? Oh, my great aunt passed. Well, how was she? She was 110. Oh, you go, oh, okay, she was 110. Bless her heart, you know? And she lived a good long life, Amen. And, and and we're pretty like like we'll still miss people. We get that, right? We'll still miss them because they're not there anymore. But but we go, oh man, we had her for a hundred and ten years. Wow, that was cool. The problem is, that's Deborah. But it, today, guys, Rachel, Rachel's going to die, and Rachel's going to die giving birth to their son Benjamin. Notice with me in verse 16. It says, So they journeyed from Bethel, and they were about a distance to the Ephrath. Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had a hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Ani, but his father called him Benjamin. Look at verse 19, guys. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. What I love about the Bible, what I love about the Word of God is that it's open and honest. It's a true book. Because if I was writing it, I don't think I'd want to put sad stories in like that. I don't, I don't want to put uh, sad stories in like this. I don't want, you know, hey, I want everything to be good. Alex, everything's got to be good, bro. Everything's right on, man. Listen, you serve God. Everything's amazing, bro. Everything, you're going to... But here, here, I mean, and, and you go, well, Ben, calm down. What, what, what seems to be the problem? Well, you guys know what the problem is. The problem is, is that let me take you back just a little bit because in the book of Genesis chapter 29, that's when Jacob fell in love with Rachel. Now, we know the story. See, in verse 5 of chapter 29, he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, yes, we know him. And he said, is he well? And they said, yes, he is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming up with the sheep. And that's all it took. Jacob went, but one look at her and he's like, Dum-dum. if you don't believe in love at first sight, talk to Jacob. Because he loved Rachel. You guys know that. He loved her so much, guys, he was willing to work another seven years after he was, what? Because Laban comes in with Leah. You're not Rachel. You have this veil. You're not Rachel. He worked another. I I want Rachel. I want Rachel. Here's my point. You ready? Jacob really, 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 really loved Rachel. And Rachel dies, giving birth to Benjamin. And, and, and as her soul's departing, you guys can picture the scene. The midwife is there and says, you can have a son. Stay with me. And she goes, no, no, no. L- let's name him Ben-Oni, Right? You know what that means? That means son of my sorrow. 
son of my misfortune. And Jacob goes, no, no, no. He says, it's not going to be, it's not going to be Benoni, it's going to be Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Now, guys, I want you for just a moment to put yourself in Jacob's sandals. Why? Because I know what we'd be asking. We'd be asking, what gives, God? If it, 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 now, listen, Jacob has Leah. He has his other concubines. Jacob, but, but he, and, 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 and he goes, wait, 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 God, seriously, what? Listen, when I married Rachel, I, I, this was for better, for worse, richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. But listen, I, I thought we were going to live a long life and, and sit on the front porch and get old together. And, 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 and she's gone, Lord. And, and, and Lord, here's the thing. Here, here, here's what I'm tripping about, Lord. I am a holy, I am a holy devoted following you. And, and here's what we say. Let's be honest, okay? Let the Holy Spirit just move in our heart. Here's what we say. And you, Lord, let my wife die giving birth. I thought, wow, wow. I know that. I know this is the things that Jacob asked because these are the things that we ask when, when stuff happens. God, why didn't you? I mean, I mean, in, in all of our lives, in all of our major events, God, where were you? God, how come you didn't? God, why? And here's the thing that I've got to come to a conclusion with, man, and I've got to make peace with. So if I've got to make peace with this because God's ways are not my ways, and I think, that I think a certain way, and that's not how God thinks. And I'm wondering, what? why aren't you? Why don't you do that? Why, why would you let Rachel die? I mean, and, and then you feel partially to blame, right? Because it's like, man, listen, listen, if she wasn't giving birth to our son, she would have never died. And I don't know what, I mean, why, I mean, we had enough kids as it is. We had 11. Jacob, and, I mean, Benjamin would make 12. God, why? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked God why? Why did my life do this? Why did my life turn out this way? Why did this happen? Why did, not, why did you not stop this? Why did you not stop that? Why, why, why? We ask God why. When Nathalie had cancer, guys, she was crying one night and she said, she, she was asking the Lord. And, and, and I remember the Lord woke me up and I came out to her and, and she was crying in the living room and I said, the Lord woke me up. Are you okay? And she said, she said, why wouldn't God, why, why would God heal me? Why would he? And I looked and I said, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? But we asked that. Now, I got to shoot straight with you. Listen, I'm super stoked because my wife is still here today. And we prayed and God healed her. I believe that. Amen. I, you believe that? But I was fully prepared I was fully prepared for her to die. And I know what my heart would have been like. I might have been really a wreck. I might have been asking God, why? What did I do? I mean, are you serious? But see, that's how we are. And one of the things that I'm trying to make the point across is that we are obedient to God. God called me to pastor this church. God called me to love on you. God called me to be your shepherd. But life still happens. And I sometimes don't like it. 
I don't like that life happens, but I know it does. But see, here's what I'd rather be. I'd rather be in a place where I'm serving the Lord and I'm walking in love and I have the assurance of my Jesus than not. You know what I mean? Listen, it's far better to be in the perfect will of God, doing what God is, walking tight with him when they tell you you have cancer, than to not be and to be far from him. It's far better when they tell you, you know, this is what's going on, or this is what the doctor says, or this is far better. It's far better. And I wonder. But here's my thought. You ready? We must remember, guys, we must remember that our obedience to God is out of a love for him. Bethany, why do you obey the Lord? Because I love him. That's why you're obedient. Nobody's twisting your arm going, you're a Christian, Bethany. You need to be a Christian. And you know, if you don't behave, God's going to get the spiritual ability. He's going to bop you on the head. And you don't want to be bopped on the head by God. That's not, that's, that's, that's American Christianity. But, but biblical Christianity is that, man, you love Jesus. And God says, don't do this. You go, okay, because I love Jesus. That's why. Well, why won't you go out and be, because I love Jesus. And why won't you? Because I love Jesus. Okay, so we do it out of a love, uh, out of obedience for him. Now, we got to be careful because so many people in American Christianity says, oh, no, I, I'm obedient not because, because I want to see what God could give me, right? Or what he could do for us. And here's what we do. We play this game. God, I'm obedient to you. I'm obedient. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you. Now I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you for these things. And then we go, God, why didn't you give me these things? I thought I was obedient. I thought I was. I thought I was a good Christian boy. I, 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 why, why didn't you? Why didn't you? We go. No matter what. No matter what. Listen. One of our pastoral prayers, guys, is that we understand. Check this out. That we would understand that discipline or obedience that it rarely brings about love, but love always brings about discipline and obedience. Let me say this again, okay? We need to understand that obedience or discipline rarely brings about love. In other words, we go, okay, okay, so we're going to obey. We're going to obey, and we're going to be disciplined to obey. At the end of this, it it, it rarely brings about a love for Jesus. But over here, when we say we love Jesus, it always brings about discipline and obedience. Adam, what, what must we do to do the works of God? Believe in the Lord. Trust him. Be obedient. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind, and strength. This is, what, this is what you're supposed to do. You guys ready? You want to work for Jesus? It's real simple. Believe and love him with all your heart, your, heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Just love him. And that's going to bring about your obedience to him. But even in obedience, church, life happens. Um, Even in obedience, people get sick. They still get hurt. They suffer. And some even die. Listen to this. Another reason we must not fear COVID-19 or the coronavirus, guys, this this is a reason because we love Jesus, right? We just need to continue to be obedient 
and fully in love with Jesus, and we need to trust the Lord for everything. So what happens? We'll look at verse 20 and 21. It says, so Jacob, right? Everybody say Jacob. Set a pillar on her grave, and the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave. Look at verse 21. Then who? Israel journeyed and pitched his tent toward the Tower of Eder. Now, man, I, I, I wrestled with that all afternoon. In one verse, he calls him Jacob, and the next verse, he calls him Israel. I couldn't find anything. I mean, it was just, it was just, I was just like, I couldn't find anything, but I started thinking, okay, so on one moment, here he is, he says, okay, so Jacob, who just lost his wife, he, he sets a pillar on her grave. Oh, I miss her. Then Israel, I thought, wow, wow. Why the name change? Why the name change? Why between verses? One commentary I read said this. It's been said that Jacob handled the death of Rachel with grace and patience and love and comfort. Therefore, employed the name of Israel in verse 21. I thought, how cool is that? How cool is that? Guys, something happened to Jacob in Bethel. Something happened deep in his heart. Oh, yeah, he'll still go on to make mistakes. You guys know this. We all do. But something changed. He's not the same. And even though his wife's going, name him, name him, son of my sorrow. He's like, no, sweetie. I'm going to name him son of my right hand. And he sets up this pillar. And, 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 and Moses, he says, man, Israel, Israel. Verse 22. Now, here's what you need to understand, guys. Not only are there sorrows in the family that's dedicated, right, of the dedicated believer, Jacob, but there's also sins. You know, how so? Look at verse 22. And it happened when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went in and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. And Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. Now, again, there's a name change. There's a name change. But... What we need to understand, guys, and let me just see if I can paint the picture. According to Leviticus, chapter 18, verse 8, it says this. Do not have sexual relations with any of your father's wives, for it will violate your father. Leviticus, right? Leviticus 18, verse 8. Now, I know what you're thinking because you guys are super smart. You go, Ben, Ben, that's the law in Leviticus. We're in Genesis. That wasn't given yet. That wasn't given yet. But the Bible says that God's law was written in our heart way before he put it in on, on, on paper. And so what Jacob did, he already knew was wrong in the heart. I mean, what, what Reuben did, he already knew was wrong. And I'm not sure why Reuben did this. But I know this, it violated Jacob. It violated Israel. And as a matter of fact, Jacob didn't forget about this because 
in Genesis 49, verse 4, here's what he writes about Reuben. He says, Reuben is unstable as water. He says, you shall not excel because you went up into your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up into my couch. So he still remembered. He said, Reuben, man, you're, you're, you're unstable as water. And I thought, what can we learn from Reuben right here, guys, that we can take away tonight? What can we learn? I'll tell you what. First and foremost, Reuben was unstable. Okay? And when you're unstable, he lacked godly character. Remember what had happened, church. Remember. He, they had just killed all the males in Shechem and took the females for themselves. I mean, there's, there's women everywhere. He didn't have to do this. But Jacob said, Reuben, you're unstable, bro. You're unstable as water. You ever try walking on water? It's, very, it's, it's not solid at all, is it? But he lacked godly character. And the one thing that we need to remember is, Lord, we want godly character. We want God the character. A, a, a good, godly character is what you do when nobody's watching. How do you act when nobody's watching? You know, because we get around people and we're like, hey, bro, God bless you. How you doing? What's up? And we're really good. But, but when you're alone, what is your, that's your character. That's your character. What are we hiding from the Lord? It's so funny because in COVID nineteen, you you guys with me? You get you get all these things. Wear masks, don't wear masks. Masks are no masks are good, and we're just we have no idea. I mean, we should wear masks or not. But in Christianity, the one thing we don't want to do is wear a mask, right? We don't want to be one thing in public and be in something totally different in private. And what God does is he often wants to remove the masks so we can be who we are. But character, godly character, is what we do in private. That's, that's what we can learn from Reuben. What else can we learn from Reuben? Reuben suffered the consequences of his sin. And I think at times we just, we, we don't understand that, that there are consequences to our sin. There are times, guys, when I have to, in, it, I had to just um, counsel married couples that were on the verge of breaking up. Older married couple. And what I tried to do is I tried to get them to picture what it would be like separate. Like, you're going to live by yourself here. Can you, can you live? I mean, I tried to get them to see what the sin is going to look like in the future. Because I don't think people understand, oh, well, I was just flirting with that girl or, I, or, or this or, or so forth. They don't understand that there's consequences that we have to live with. My prayer for us, and myself included, is that we would have godly character so that we don't have to face those consequences of sin. Now, 
Skip over verses 23 to 26, guys. Those are just the names of Jacob. You can read them later. Look at verse 27. Then Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, at Kerjeth Arba, which is on Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. So Isaac breathed his last and died, and he gathered to his people, being full, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him there. So what is this? How, how does this chapter end? Another person dies. Dad dies. Now this trips us out, right? Because because Dad thought he was going to die twenty some years earlier when 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 Jacob fled. That was the whole that was the whole birthright thing, right? The blessing. And yet dad goes on to live. And here, through all of this happened, here comes Jacob. But that's not the point. The point I want to make is, listen, Jacob lost Deborah like a mother to her, to him. Jacob lost his wife, giving birth to their son, and now dad's died. Must have been tough for Jacob, don't you think? He must have. He must have just, guys. Think about this. He must. The the the, the pains of sorrow and and hurting and grieving and pain. And the thing that keeps coming to mind, guys, is that is that we read in the first fifteen verses that Jacob was on fire for the Lord. Now, he has radical obedience, man. He's he's burying his idols. He's saying, guys, throw those away, man. We're gonna we're gonna serve God from now on. We're gonna follow Him. And what we want to remember is that life still happens. But the point I want to drive home, and the takeaway I want to drive home, is really simple. You go, what's that then? It's far better to be walking with Jesus when life happens than not to be walking with Jesus. And here's why. Alex, life's still going to happen. Here it is, guys. Let me close with this. You ready? Here's the takeaway. Listen, if life's going to happen, first and foremost, make sure you're right with Jesus. Make sure that you're Totally in love with Jesus. Okay? But number two, listen to me. If life's going to happen, don't take each other for granted. Don't walk out that door without saying, I love you. Have that extended hug to your wife and your kids. Purpose in our minds to just say, man, life, listen, life happens and I, I, I don't. If, if we get in an argument, let's be quick to resolve it. I'm so sorry. This is, this is silly. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Something happens when you get really comfortable in relationships. We we tend to take each other for granted a little bit. We tend to we tend to be like, ah, eh, now my wife always loved me. I mean, we've been married, you know, and you don't know 
if that's the last time you're going to see her. My, uh, my older brothers, they're about, um, I think they're about eight years older than me. And they're twins. And, and growing up, we weren't really close. I mean, they, they had each other. And, and in 2012, my dad, right, single father, he passes away. And the one thing that it did is it brought, it brought us close together. I love my brothers. And I know that's what my dad would want. He would want us to check on him, and he would want us... And, and, and just even today, I got a text from, from my brother in Denver. Are you okay? Is everything all right? Don't miss those opportunities, guys, because, listen, even if you're in the perfect will of God, life still happens. And so make sure your foundation is in Jesus, and don't take, don't take life for granted. We only got one. So what do we do? What do we do, Adam? We love hard. We laugh a lot. We embrace change. And we keep our eyes looking forward. I keep our eyes up waiting for Jesus. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. We love you, Lord. And so tonight, Lord, I pray. And I pray for anybody watching, Lord, that if you're speaking to them right now, God, you would let them know, because they're asking the question. And I'm here to answer that question. God loves you very much. God loves you very much. And I know you were, you were, you were scrolling on Facebook and you happened to catch on and you're just asking those questions about life. And, and let me just tell you, look, God loves you very, very much and he died for you and he's got a plan for you. And even now, He's asking you to surrender your life to him. And you're wondering how, and it's really simple. You just need to open up your heart and say, God, I believe. I repent of my sins. I confess them to you, and I'm going to follow you, Jesus, forever. Just talk to him. He's waiting to hear from you. And to my precious church out there, Listen, life's going to happen, but we're going to do life together, and we will walk through the good times and the bad times with each other. That's what the church does. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to each other. I love you very much. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.